Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, find us on the web at revivallifechurch.org. That's me. I'm Carl Thomas. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, Jesus is a senior pastor. I'm the lead pastor. Um, and uh, we hope that he's in charge of the house. Hey, so uh, each week we have intercession here before service. Uh, intercession is a pretty big part of what we do. Uh, so you're like, you know, might say we only do a little bit on Sunday morning. Yeah, we do a little bit on Sunday morning. We do some more on Tuesday morning, do some more on Friday night. We do lots of intercession. Hopefully uh, our intercession at this house is going uh, nonstop because you're in this house and hopefully you're praying. Ah, that church doesn't pray. Well, I guess you're not a part of it then, and you're not praying, right? Because that's how the church prays. So we have intercession right there in that room that's not marked. There's nothing scary happening in there. You can go on in there uh, at 8.15, I believe. Is that right? 8.15, it starts. And what happens is when they get words that they believe the Lord wants to minister to people, they write it on this board right here. Now, they, it, they apparently did this like, uh, you know, through a seer stone or something because it looks like it's somewhat hieroglyphic. But I like that the E's are like our logo, whoever did that. Good job. Uh, so <clears throat> each week they do that. And last week, I don't know if you read it last week, but last week, one of, the, um, one, of the, one of the leadings that they had was that there would be encounters. What did it say? Encounters in Revival Kids? That there would be encounters in Revival Kids. And uh, at Revival Life, we really believe that the kids are important. Uh, not just that child care is important, that they are actually important, right? And so we want the children to receive ministry. And as a matter of fact, we want them to receive clean ministry because children don't have the discernment that we do. They're actually childlike, right? And so uh, we want good people in there doing good stuff. And we want them to have encounters with God. That's a goal. We want them to have encounters with God. You know, we do the, we do the, the, the lessons and the video stuff. And of course, we pump them full of candy because this is church, right? But, um, <clears throat> but we want them to encounter God. Uh, and so we pray for that, and we, we ask Jesus to do it. And we don't do anything weird or make up stuff. But what, um, you know, no one can argue your experience. Amen. Right? That, that's, that's why um, it's so damaging when someone shares their trauma with you and you devalue it. Because this is their experience. And you maybe would not have reacted to that experience the way they did, but this is the way they're reacting. And we need to value other people's experience. Amen? Yeah. Are you with me? And so we see a lot of, um, a lot of youth go into, go into higher education and they lose their faith because often their faith is based on Bible stories crafted for children, not with an actual goal of having them encounter Jesus. Once you encounter Jesus, there's really no argument against Jesus being alive. Really hard to argue that somebody you met is not alive. Right? And that he's actually happy. Right? And he's, and he's friendly. So they prayed uh, last week that um, they, they believed that the Lord, it wasn't something they came up with. Uh, that was an impression they got. Uh, and they put it on the board there. Apparently, they, you know, I imagine they prayed it through. And so um, last week, uh, if, if you weren't here last week, um, uh, I, I almost never say this, but uh, you really need to listen to last week's message because it's part one of this message. And it gives a lot of context that I can't give in this service. Um, and at the end, we talked about some stuff, and God really began to move. Um, and uh, last week, uh, during the message, apparently uh, in second service, I believe, the kids began to encounter God. And um, 
I got emails about it and text messages from the leaders that were in there. And I just want to share some of those with you real quick if I could. Uh, so what, <clears throat> it's kind of funny how it happened. God will use anything. Uh, there was um, a family in our church who lost their dog recently. Uh, and it, depending on if that's a big deal or not a big deal to you based on whether or not you've actually had a dog. Right? If you've never had a dog, it's kind of silly. If you've had a dog, it's tragic. Right? Few people are in between. Right? So we, we, um, I never thought it was a really big deal. Then we lost a dog, and my family was a mess. And I get it. Chloe's still buried in our yard. And we, uh, you know. Well, Chloe, we miss Chloe. Chloe did nothing. Chloe was a geriatric dog, and Chloe did nothing. Nothing. I remember somebody came over one time, and they're like, does she do something? Nope. Just like we like, she sits right there. <laughs> That's all she does. That's all she does. Greatest dog ever. Uh, and so, <clears throat> and so um, I don't have a theology for this, but um, the child believed that they're going to see their dog in heaven. Now, are there dogs in heaven? I don't know. There's cats in heaven. Are there cats in heaven? There's a lion. Right? So there's a cat. We know there's at least one. Right? And we know there's a lamb. So there's two animals, right? We know, that we, know, we know out of heaven, Jesus is going to be riding a horse, so there's a horse in heaven, right? So there's a horse, a cat, a lamb. We know the four horses came down in, uh, in, 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 in uh, Daniel, right? The four horsemen, right? What, Isaac? My son's telling jokes up here. <laughs> I should have known. And we know that there's beasts, Right? So are there dogs? I don't know. Is that unbiblical? No. Is it extra biblical? Possibly. But hey, I think my dog's going to be there. Why? Because God loves me. How could there be a house in heaven but not my dog? Like, I don't even need a house in heaven. I'm in heaven. Heaven is my home. But yet he's building a house in heaven for me, right? And so um, I don't know if they told this, this child that his dog's going to be in heaven or he came up with it on his own. I really don't know. I uh, don't particularly care. Um, so the kid was upset about it, and he was telling people that his, he's going to see his dog in, again in heaven. And another child in there uh, said, well, I want to see heaven, right? If, you, if your dog's in heaven, I want, I want to see heaven. And began to actually whine, I, 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 I want to I go to heaven right now. I want to go right now. And, uh, and so they, they thought about having that happen right away, but we decided not to because that would be bad children's ministry. And so, um, and so the, the, the children's ministry worker who was in charge of the room, I believe, uh, was sensing the Lord was doing something. And so they said, all right, well, here's the lesson we're going to be focusing on now in second service. And they began to pray. And they said, all right, everybody get in a, uh, you know, get in a quiet place and we're going to begin to pray. And uh, as they began to pray, the children began to get visions. Um, and so there was a child, and the way they sent it to me, covered in tears, got visions, began to cry, saying, I see, I see everyone. And they're like, wait a minute, what is everyone? Started seeing their grandparents who had gone before them wow. in heaven. Now, these are, these are little kids in the back. But they, they saw grandparents and they had other loved ones that, that had passed before them in heaven. They said they saw their grandparents, and, 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 uh, and um, they were so happy to see their grandparents. She just kept repeating, they were all there. They were all there. Several children saw a huge banquet table filled with everything one could imagine. Everyone's favorite foods, 
The table was gorgeous, gold with beautiful trim and enormous. Several at the same time saw the same waterfall, which is interesting because there's a, there's a repeated revelation that happens in this house about a waterfall, and the kids saw it, and they'd never been in a meeting hearing people who saw it, which is pretty neat. Amen. So uh, one kid described seeing Jesus in the room with them. Now, this is important if you were here last week. At the end of the meeting, you know how the Lord began to move in our meeting? Well, just before that, they saw Jesus leave that room and walk into this room. That's pretty cool. Others saw, I don't know what this means, a huge lion enter the room. One saw the lion with Jesus on its back. The lion was giant, but extremely gentle. That sounds like Jesus to me. How about you? And then they saw Jesus ministering. And one child experienced what felt like lightning jolts going through the body. How many of y'all know that's the Holy Ghost right there? Amen. Oh, give it up, give it up, get up. We just, hallelujah. We're, we're thankful for a children's ministry that's not back there feeling like they're just, uh, you know, daycare in this house. Amen. They're not just daycare. They're actually back there ministering uh, to, to the children, ministering the presence and power of God to the kids. Amen. That's good. Kids need that. Peer pressure is crazy these days, right? They need something. They need encounters. And, uh, if you ever thought about serving a revival, because they have a weight, I believe, because people want to be back there ministering. I want that. How about you? I could take some heavenly visitations. Anybody in here? I'll take it. Thank you, Jesus. So um, today, uh, I want to uh, share part two in the final part of this message series that I started last week. And again, if you didn't catch last week, do yourself a favor and, and, and just get it, especially if this is your home church. And uh, if, if this isn't your home church, get it, and then let this be your home church. Amen? So, um, <clears throat> so my goal here today is threefold. Uh, number one is kind of like the surface level. I want to ex- kind of explain to you uh, and, and finalize uh, the, the, how God values the glory that he's given people and how in um, Jerusalem in particular, he instructed them to build a structure to protect the glory, which was in the Holy of Holies in the, uh, in the temple. Um, and, and on a second level, maybe slightly deeper level, I, I want to, to kind of share with you how God has led us, how we protect the glory of God in this house. How we protect the glory of God in this house. And on maybe even a deeper level, I want to challenge you, I want to challenge you on coming up with a way to protect the glory of God in your life and in your family and in your organization. Now, uh, as we've talked about before, uh, the rebuilding of the wall, uh, you can find this in uh, Ezra and in Nehemiah and Haggai and, and, and Esther kind of uh, spearheaded the whole thing initially. And, uh, and it's all throughout the scripture. And we just don't have time to teach through all these scriptures. And I went in last week uh, kind of explaining the foundation and you want to hear that. But basically what we've come down to is if you don't define the culture in your organization, somebody else will. If you don't define the culture in your family, if you don't define the culture in your life, somebody would be more than happy to define what should be the most important thing in your life, and generally it will be them. Right? Because people are selfish. We're inherently selfish, and, and we don't know, uh, someone doesn't know our needs unless we communicate it to them, and uh, if they don't have anything important going on, it might as well be us. Right? And so if you start an organization, if you have a business and you hire an employee, if anybody in here ever supervises employees, you understand that your values are not necessarily their values. 
And if you don't let them know what your values are and what, um, what your culture uh, honors and what your culture values, then all of a sudden they'll just do whatever they want. Like, like to you, you want your employee to come when it's time to work and be ready to work. But your employee values sleep more than showing up on time. And if you don't tell them, I need you to be here at a certain time, they're going to show up when they feel like showing up. And if you don't tell them that's a problem, then it's not a problem. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you don't tell people, hey, your life drama is not my life drama. You don't communicate that to people. If you don't set up a culture, if you don't, you don't protect the values in your life, if you don't set effective boundaries, then people will just come in and share their drama all over your life. And you're like, I don't, I don't, I live drama free on purpose. Not accidentally, I do it on purpose, right? And if you don't set those boundaries, if you don't define your culture, then people, they'll define it for you. And so we have found that this is a kingdom principle that Jesus Christ uh, uh, he has set some very foundational stones in the church. And if we don't honor them, then we don't protect the glory of God in the church at large. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right, let me explain it this way. Uh, there is a, um, there's a Spanish church that meets in the next building right over there. I call it Spanish church because they call it Spanish church. You know, that's just what they call it. Uh, you know, I can fellowship with them even though we don't, um, the senior pastor doesn't speak a lot of English. Um, and I don't speak a lot of Spanish, but we can still have fellowship based on our love of Jesus. I can have fellowship with a Lutheran pastor. I can have fellowship with a Methodist pastor. I can have fellowship with a Catholic priest, especially since um, the Catholics have kind of reformed their theology and put Christ at the center. I can have fellowship with these in the Lord because we value the same glory, the deity of Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. They value that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and He is, in fact, God, that He was sacrificed on the cross for our sins, and He is no longer dead. He's risen again, and He's returning. Amen? They, they, they honor this triune God just like I do. They, the Jesus Christ is Lord. And through that shared culture, we have fellowship. Now, I have fellowship with them in a way I could not have fellowship with an imam or uh, a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon. Even if we use the same words, they don't protect the deity of Jesus Christ the way we protect the deity of Jesus Christ. So based on that, we can't have ecumenicism uh, where everybody's equal, every, every belief system is the same, and just because you're a minister, we could all get together and pray together. We, we, we can't. Why? Because we're not praying to the same God, and we don't have a culture where we honor the same values. In Christianity, if Jesus Christ is not Lord, then you don't have Christianity anymore. Does that make sense? Jesus, Jesus, and and your church can focus on on different outreach or ministry or whatever, but if Jesus Christ is not at the center, then you're not a church. You're just a group of people getting together doing stuff. And as a matter of fact, if you devalue who Christ is, then you're no longer a church and you're, you're now the mission field. Good word, Pastor. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Right? And so, so we have the same core values that Jesus Christ is Lord. And because we have that same core value, we have to protect it. Now, we don't have anybody preach here who doesn't believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. Aren't you thankful for that? We don't have anybody ministering in children's ministry whose life is a wreck and, 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 and uh, doesn't believe Jesus Christ is Lord, hadn't given their life to Christ, and we don't know what's going on in their life. We just don't. We've got to protect these things. Amen? Anybody with kids is like, hallelujah, right? Because yeah. that's, that's our values. We value Jesus Christ and the glory he's given us. And when, as we talked last week, when they went to rebuild 
the city. They went to rebuild the walls. They went to rebuild the temple. They didn't start with the wall, the outer wall. They didn't start with uh, even, even the temple. The very first thing they rebuilt was the altar. Right? And so they built the altar, and they began offering sacrifices on it day and night. It wasn't even a nice altar. They just built the altar. They just, the foundation wasn't beautiful, but they wanted to begin this uh, encounter with God. They wanted to put the center, the glory of God, at the center of everything they were doing. Are you hearing me? That's the center of what they were doing was Christ and his interaction with people. Now, they didn't call it Christ, but clearly the sacrifice is a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ being sacrificed on the cross. And so they put this work of God and man and the forgiveness of sins at the center of what they were doing. That was, that was, the, that was, that was the middle there. And then they began to build outward. And let me explain this in a way that maybe some business people can understand. <clears throat> Oftentimes, um, when we see someone who's successful in business, and we have several people in this house who um, run their own businesses and are, are successful, and I'm thankful for all of them. Many times when people want to become businessmen, the first thing they do is they say, I need, to, I need a website. Right? I need a website, and I need some business cards. I need to start the marketing. I've got to have a good business name, and I need a logo. Right? Let me get some letterhead. Let me build my business. I may be advertising. I'm doing all this stuff. The only problem is what a business is, is you collecting money from somebody for doing something. Yeah. That's a business, right? All this other stuff is a nice marketing hobby. So people spend a lot of money on stuff that doesn't actually make them money and they don't actually have a business. So if you want to start a business, what you need to do is figure out something that somebody will pay you to do and start doing that and receiving money. Now you have a business. Now to grow that business, you may need a website. You may need some, some, a nice logo. You might need all kinds of stuff. But if you don't actually do anything, you don't actually have a business. You have a neat idea. You have a colorful hobby that's color coordinated. And that's neat, but it doesn't pay the bills. You can make the greatest widget in the world, but if nobody's buying it, you don't have a business. You have a hobby, right? Businesses make money. Hobbies cost money. So if you're spending a lot of money on something that's not making business, making money, you don't have a business. You have a hobby. The goal is to stop spending money on hobbies and start earning money from business. That's how you get ahead financially. And I could stop right there, and that would change some lives, right? <laughs> if you don't have customers, you don't have a business, right? Right? And so um, what, 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 what they're doing is they're building a beautiful shell, hoping they get to fill it with business. All this marketing, all these plans, all this stuff is a shell. It's maybe a wall, uh, but it's, there's no actual glory there to protect. What God does is if you build... If you build an altar, if you build a place of encounter, his anointing will come to build something to protect it. Yeah. Right? God said to me, he said, he, he, he said, if you build a house of devotion, I will build you a ministry. He spoke that to me. If you will build a house of devotion, I will build you a ministry. But don't worry about building a church. You build, you build this encounter with Jesus. I'll worry about the church. Right? And so we get these neat man-made plans, and, and often um, with the right heart, churches want to blow up. And they want to reach lots of the world, and the focus is get lots of the world in, but not necessarily them encountering God. So they built a beautiful, a beautiful, just an absolute beautiful container for nothing. An empty container. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
And I'm not saying we're the perfect absolute opposite. I'm just, I'm just using an example. Um, and so <clears throat> we also talked last week that purposeful culture protects our values. And so when the encounter with God is at the center of our culture, then we can build, we can, we can, center of our values, then we can build a culture to protect this encounter with God, right? Because culture protects values, and then values manifest in the culture. You're with me. You're like, yeah, Pastor, we were here last week. I just wanted to say it again. So we need to, we need to build a protective structure around the glory of God in our lives, We need to build a protective structure around the glory of God in our church. We need to do it in the church at large. And and the Father has given us Jesus Christ, and we need to build a protective culture around Jesus Christ in the church at large. And so what we found, though, is that most people surround themselves with things and people they like, not the people they need. We surround ourselves with people who look like us and look at the world the same way we do instead of surrounding ourselves with people who fill in the gaps in our life, who point out our blind spots, right? And so we we have friends, we're all looking at the same thing, and, 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 and we always say that the problem is, you know, the enemy or society or the culture or the government or the pastor or, or whatever, instead of having somebody who doesn't look at things the same way we do, who can actually say, hey, man, that's a, that's a beautiful wall in front of you there, but not for nothing, there's no wall behind you. Because yeah. everybody you know is looking over here at the glorious wall, and you turn around and there's nothing. Yeah. And so it's all coming, your, your whole culture, your values are leaking from behind. Is this, is this making sense? Yeah. So we need to surround ourselves with, with wise counsel, and we need to strengthen the areas of our life that we're not necessarily gifted in. And when um, and Ezra had taught uh, in his word, the people, they weren't building the wall well. And, and he says, hey, here's where I want you to focus on the wall. Are you ready? The part in front of you. Build the wall in front of your house. And if everybody builds a wall in front of their house, now our city has a protective wall that we can protect the glory of God that is in the temple. Amen. And so you may have um, a specific uh, focus in your life and you might feel very deeply called to a very specific ministry and it's so important to you because that's what you are called to do and we can devalue the other areas of ministry to the point where there's massive wide open doors into our life because we don't have the full counsel of God, right? Does this make sense? And so um, we want to talk a little bit about uh, how we, in our house, what we consider our values that protect the glory in our house and to help us eliminate the blind spots. So first uh, slide here. As I talked before, the encounter with God is the center of everything we do. And uh, the, the flaming dove, God touching us by his spirit. That's the center of who we are in this house. And, and anything you get, you can give away. Anything you get from God, you can give away. And as a matter of fact, he expects you to give it away. Let me give you a real quick testimony about that. Um, last week, uh, they were in the jail ministering, and um, uh, someone who, this isn't even really their main ministry gift, they just uh, came up, they began to talk about uh, prayer language, and they asked, the, you know, they started talking about it, and none of the prisoners in their pod that they were ministering to had a prayer language. And they're like, well, we're going to pray for you right now to receive your prayer language. And they prayed for them. And I believe there were seven people in the meeting. They began to pray. And they all got the Holy Ghost and began praying in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's a good word, right? 
Hey, hey, listen, listen, that doesn't sound like a big deal, but in the Bible, there's only one way to get out of jail. Read the New Testament. They're praying in the spirit and worshiping, and they got out of jail. That's the only way you get out of jail in the New Testament, amen? That's the only way you break the bondage in the New Testament. There ain't no parole in the New Testament. There's no, you served your time, you can go home. Prayed in tongues and breakthrough came, amen? So the prisoners need, some, need the Holy Ghost, amen? And so, so all these prisoners got their prayer language, which was awesome. And, uh, uh, and so on Friday, that's good enough right there, right? That's good enough testimony right there, right? Amen. Uh, and so um, Friday, or excuse me, Sunday night, they had um, fire starters. And at fire starters, they start fire starters with testimonies. And somebody's like, hey, I got a testimony. We were uh, ministering in the jail, and someone had a word about uh, uh, the prayer language and prayed and everybody got their prayer language. And we're like, wow, that's pretty good. And then somebody said, somebody heard that testimony and said, oh yeah, I don't have my prayer language. And several people didn't have their prayer language at fire starters. And they said, well, we can start the fire right now. And they began praying for them and every one of them got their prayer language. Because you, when, you, when you get the testimony, you get to give it away. Amen. And so this encounter with God equips you to give away what God has given you. As a matter of fact, that's, that's how you get more by giving it away. And so we talked about that as the center of the glory of God. And this house is the encounter with God. And I would um, submit to you, that is the center of the purpose of the church of Jesus Christ, connecting people to God. That is the center of what Christ has done. And so in that, we talked about building a wall around this glory to protect the glory God has given us. This is not to keep people out. This is to protect the glory, and as we point out in our graphic, the, the, the arrows point outward because we want the, the, the culture of heaven to affect the culture of this church, and we want the culture of this church to affect the culture of South Florida Amen. through you, Amen. right? This, this is our goal. So we build a wall around the glory, and the first part of this wall we talked about last week, I'm going to go through this very quickly because my wife is going to teach on this in a couple weeks. Uh, we talked about his wholeness. My wife's going to teach on this in a couple weeks. She's going to rip your heart out and get it healed and put it back in. <laughs> Snatch it at your chest. Heal it up and jam it back in. So again, I don't have time to teach on this. Uh, you want to listen to last week's message, but this is where the Holy Spirit really moved last week. And this talks about if we don't get our heart healed of life's hurts, if we don't begin looking at the world through New Testament reality, if we don't come into who we are, the sonship, uh, if we don't come into this revelation of sonship, then the glory of God in us manifests in ugly ways. Hurt, rejection, bitterness, fear, uh, just uh, this spirit of abandonment, spirit of uh, the orphan spirit, just we, we, into judgment. Um, it, just, it just begins to bleed all over everybody. And so if we don't have this wall, if we don't have this concept, this value for getting our inner man healed, then it begins to affect the glory of God in our life, right? Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, he said, Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, our inner man is being renewed Day by day. It's a daily walk of having your heart renewed because life comes at you. Sometimes it comes at you ugly, right? And so in this fallen world, we get hurt and all kinds of ugliness happens. And I'm just talking about in the church, right? And so we need to have an ongoing healing presence. And so uh, I talked about that and God really moved last week. And I believe he will when we talk about this again. The next part of the wall uh, I'd like to share with you today. And if you don't have a handout, uh, the ushers will have one in the back. You can take some notes. Is, is we call it serving. Serving, and um, we really encapsulate this. We call it go low. 
need to make yourself lower. And, and let me tell you in Scripture, Jesus, there's a time where Jesus is walking with his disciples, right? And as he's walking with his disciples, he's going to be crucified, right? They're going to the town where they're going to crucify him. He fully knew they were going to, they were going to murder him. He was willingly going to serve his disciples. And while they were walking there, his disciples were behind him arguing about which one of them were the greatest. He's going to bear the sins of the world on a cross, and they're arguing about which of them is the greatest. Let me help you out. If you ever have that argument, it's not you. If you ever look at someone and you think that you're greater than them, you now know that, that you are not. We get our value by serving other people. Jesus said, hey, listen, that's the way it used to work. It used to work that you, you go Lord over people. We see it right here in uh, Matthew chapter 20, verse uh, 21. Excuse me, verse 25. Jesus called them to himself, right? Because even this, this dude's mom got involved. Moms, quit getting involved in your grown children's lives, all right? Quit trying to fix things for your boys. Let your boy grow up, Amen. Let your boy grow up. His mom was like, hey, 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 I know, I know. But hey, can you make my boys the greatest? Jesus like, listen, y'all, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Now listen, if Jesus has to call you to him, that means you're not with him. I hear people say, so spiritually, Jesus is calling me to him. I'm like, why ain't you with him now? When did you stop being with him? No, 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 it's, it's not like that. But you said he's calling you to him. Like, that's something I'm supposed to spiritually worship. When did you stop being with him? That's a good word, Pastor. Woo, that's good. Come on. I'm going to stay with Jesus. That's why I rarely fast. They said, why, why, aren't, your, why aren't your disciples fasting? He said, when the bridegroom is with you, you don't fast. When he's not with you, you fast. He's just with me. he's not with me, I'll be fasting. But he's with me. That's what Jesus said, right? Yeah. Are you going to fast with us? No, I'm good. I'm supping with him. No, but really, no, really. I really believe he's with me. And so Jesus, Jesus wants us to go low, right? And this is an ongoing process. Um, if you think about uh, a servant in a restaurant, <clears throat> oh, let me finish the scripture. I'm so sorry. Uh, verse 25, Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great men, great, great men, right? Their great men. He didn't say my great. Their great, what, what they consider great. Uh, their great men exercise authority over them. It's not this way among you. Verse 26, whoever wishes to become great will be your servant. Now, I want to be great. How about you? I actually want to be great, and the disciples wanted to be great. And Jesus like, yeah, you should want to be great. I'll put greatness on you. But if you want to be great, you'll be a servant. Now, here's what's interesting. When I go to eat at a restaurant, I have a server. And they serve me something very specific. They serve me food and drink, hopefully in a quick manner. Hopefully what I ordered while it's still warm. I don't know why that's difficult sometimes, but apparently it is. Uh, but I, I, want, I, I really like good service. And if you travel around the country, we have way better service here than in most parts of, that I go to. 
We have good service here. You go to other parts of America and like, like why, why is this taking forever? Why is this? Because y'all are just slow. Like you're driving and everybody's driving slow. You're in Publix and they're checking out stuff. How's your weekend been? It's getting painful right now. Just check myself. I want to go. I'm not trying to make a best friend here and, and, and check out lane three, right? I just want to go home, right? But it's just, they're just slower in other areas. Here they're like, let me get stuff. Let me get this. All right. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. We, the West Coast of Florida, they're just like from the, from the Midwest or something. They're just like, I'm like, I, I'm done being here. I'd like to go home. Please bring my food, my, my check, and let me go, right? Like, I want to go. I want good service. Right? Their definition might be different. So this person is serving me. Jesus didn't say, if you want to be great, you will serve someone. Let's look at the verse again. Verse 26. Excuse me. Jesus called unto himself, says, it is not this way among you. Whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your... Now, it's way different to serve someone than it is to be their servant. It's easy to say, I mean, you can be at the front door here and hand out bulletins and you're serving people and I wish you would. And they're serving the kids back there and, and you're serving the Lord as you set stuff up here and you serve people and you serve in life group and you serve. That's way different to be a servant. You have to go very humble to be someone's servant. He didn't say the greatest among you shall be the servant of the guy that they respect the lead pastor, maybe the guy who's earned it. Among you, you want to be great in a people group? You have to be the greatest servant in that people group. Right? Like, this is Jesus. This is how you get exalted. And so in this house, we just always have valued a culture of serving. Serving has been part. People come to our, you know, they they join our community, and we're just like, hey, where do you want to serve? Like, no, I'm good. Like, okay, well, let me know you want to join the church. No, this is my church. Oh, you're serving? No. All right, well, when you're ready to be part of our culture... I'm not judging anybody. Different people have different seasons in life. You may not be able to serve Sunday morning. Some people, like, your your schedule's full, and and you serve the house by being generous, maybe financially or throughout the week or, you know, there's different ways. So I'm not saying if you don't serve on Sunday morning, you're not part of this church. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is you will serve the vision of this house and the community of this this church. Does that make sense? There's no consumer mentality in the kingdom. Right? Right? Because this is, this is a community. It's not a restaurant. You don't come, you know, you go to a restaurant and you order a meal. You don't show up at mom's house and order a meal. Right? When, when, when I go to um, a restaurant, I expect them to bring me exactly what I ordered. When I go to mom's house, it's whatever mom's making. That's family. I really think, mom, you should put less salt in this. Who, who's going to say that to your mom? Who's going to say that on Thanksgiving? Yeah, maybe. What grown person... When you say this to your mom on Thanksgiving, you know, mom, this turkey's pretty good. However, no, you don't do that, right? Because that's community. That's what you do in community. But you show up to church and, ah, you should be teaching that it is. Hmm, okay, well, all right. Once you become family, you won't think that way, right? So the first wall is wholeness. The second wall is serving. And this protects the glory that's in this house. And the third wall we call disciples. And this is all about connection. And I need you to hear what I say before you come up with what this means. All right? For us, being disciples, we, we kind of get it out of Acts chapter 2. And if we look at Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 41, he says, So then those who had received his word were baptized. And that day there were about 
3,000 souls. Verse 42. They were continually, watch this, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, prayer. What does that mean? They were living life together. This is all about connection. This is all about, all about being connected to other people. This is in the kingdom of God, it's important to be connected to other people. It's not just you and Jesus. It's you, Jesus, and the called out ones. We're a community. All the believers at large are a community. This is why Jesus said, hey, if you, excuse me, uh, Paul said, hey, listen, if you're going to go receive communion and you don't honor the rest of the body, it's better if you just don't receive communion. Because you're, you're actually consuming poison on yourself. Uh, because you're communing with the body, but you're not actually part of the body. So this isn't about sin. This is about respecting the community of Christ. And this is about connection. Now, I want you to see this the way uh, um, the Lord has shown it to us. This connection that we call being disciples means I'm committed long-term to people who are ahead of me on the walk with Christ. I am committed to people who are ahead of me on the walk. And I'm committed long-term. 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 Things may get hard, but I am staying connected, right? There are things in people's lives, and it's not even the elders of the church. There's people ahead of you in many areas of your walk. And if you're not committed long-term, you don't get what they have. You're constantly having to go to God to get your own. When you could easily just get it from somebody else. Right? So we have to identify people who are ahead of us on the walk, and we have to be committed to them, even when they're pointing out our blind spots that we don't actually want to be looking at. When they're not doing necessarily what we want them to be doing, because they're actually ahead of us and we're committed to them, now we're at a place where we're, I'm just going to have to trust you and trust God through you. And likewise, if we're going to be disciples, we have to be committed to people ahead of us, and we have to be committed to people long-term who are not at where we're at in this walk. Yeah. We have to be receiving discipleship through elders, and we have to be actively giving discipleship through people who are not where we're at yet. Now, this is not lording over people. This is God has given me something, and I need to give it away to other people. Yeah. We trust that God will bring people in that we can give our gifts to so that we can get more. Does this make sense? We have to be committed to this community. We have to be committed to people ahead of us and below us. And that means when you're committed to somebody who's not where you're at on this walk and they mess up, you don't cut them off. That the connection is more important to their, than their performance. That was the quietest sneeze I've ever seen. That was just amazing. That was, and she was quiet because she didn't want to draw any attention to herself. And here I am drawing attention to her. I completely ruined that. I'm I appreciate it. I'm glad you're here. Everybody's looking. Who are we talking about? We're talking about nobody. Don't worry about it. Type of my wife and sneezing, though. That would be all right. Um, <clears throat> my wife's a loud sneezer. Anybody know a loud sneezer? Is your mom a loud sneezer? No, your grandmother was a loud sneezer. And grandpa, she inherited it. Hallelujah. Anybody loud sneezers in the room? We'll just cast that out right now. In the name of the Lord... <laughs> Did you know that's learned? Did you know that's learned? You know, the majority of deaf people don't make any noise when they sneeze? That's true. How loud you are when you sneeze is learned behavior. Hallelujah. Stick to this? Now you're telling me? Oh, my wife's telling me stick to this. 
<laughs> Her sneezing is not to be a point in my message. I, gotta owe you, I owe you money, don't I? I? You're an illustration of my sermon. I owe you money. All right, I'll get that for you. Hallelujah. All right. So we want to be disciples. We want to be connected to people long term. We want this connection. And uh, so much of the church, uh, let's go back to the, in the next, next, next wall, next part of the wall that we're building here and that I hope you're building in your life is revivalists. Revivalists. Now, here's what I have found. This is why we didn't start with revivalists. I'm a revivalist. This is, to me, that should be 90% of the wall, and the other parts of the wall are just some other stuff that God might have talked about in the Bible, right? <laughs> but calling down fire is pretty much all the church is about, to me. If people are encountering God, angels are showing up, or just, that's probably good enough, right? That's good enough. And what I found was, that's how I started my ministry, is just being a revivalist and getting people connected to God and encountering Him and flowing in the gifts and screaming a lot, right? And, uh, and what I found out was, if we didn't do these other things, then their, their screaming became very angry and not, not founded in the Word of God. They started doing a lot of weird stuff that was attracting demons. And I was like, this probably isn't good. Maybe my gift is not all the gifts. Radical, radical revelation right there. Radical revelation. Maybe I am not the church. Is it possible? Now, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me just <clears throat> stay focused. Um, if you are a revivalist and you have the ability to attract the, the, the tangible presence of God and you don't value other people and you don't have a heart to serve, you become a cult leader becomes the cult of you where God is a, is a secondary player. And then you know what happens? He removed his glory. Now it's just you being weird. And God will let you do that long enough until he drops you on your head. And hopefully you get humble enough. And I don't, I don't want to be dropped on my head by God. Anybody here? Anybody here not want the glory of God removed from your life? I don't want to remove from my life. I need these walls in place. So, so people can say, hey, man, what's going on with your connection with other people? What? You know, I see you're not coming, you know, my, our network that we're a part of, I didn't go to um, their main gathering. They're calling me, hey, what, why aren't you coming? Like, well, I had some life things happening, but I'm staying connected. All right, just want to make sure you're staying connected. Praise God. And we need people in our lives to be looking, hey, is, is, is there an open door back here? Is, is there a blind spot you're missing? We, we need these people in our life that we trust, and we give them authority to do that. And so when we talk about revivalists, we talk about, you know, <clears throat> taking what I have, what God has given me and taking it other places, right? So the revivalist not only connects people to God, manifests the presence, but, but they take this glory out beyond the walls all over the world. Like there is no kingdom culture here, but I'm going to bring it. I'm going to bring this encounter with God right here, right? That's how I look at it. But literally you could do that with any gift. But to me, this is the one I value. So that's the one I see it through, right? <laughs> Like, there's power manifestations happening. Now, my wife, my wife takes the glory of God to people through this wholeness. She'll counsel people who aren't even saved. She'll, or just really, they, not really saved. They think they're saved, but they're not really saved. Right? And she'll just be counseling them to the place that they see their brokenness and they begin to embrace Christ. That's her bringing the glory of God, the encounter to their lives through her gift. Right? I don't do it that way. I'm just like an inner touch, how about we cast the devil out of you, right? Like, that's me. Like, we'll just get you saved. How about we call down fire? That'll, that ought to do it, right? Like, to me, there's no problem calling down fire can't fix. Anybody with me? Anybody with you? Just all you need is a good power encounter with Jesus, and that ought to, that ought to handle it right there. That didn't work? Let's try another one. <laughs> Double portion ought to do it. 
Get up when you're healed, right? Get up when you're healed. So this is like evangelism, missions, you know, like, I, like the way we look at it is we serve the lost with the fire of God, right? These are revivalists. And this is all I ever felt called to do until the Lord start, told me to start a church and he let me figure out that we really need more than just my gift. Now, I didn't know that until people um, didn't have these other values that I had. See, because I came up valuing things that I didn't know I valued. I didn't know that I valued community. I didn't know that I valued, you know, these other parts of the body. I didn't know that. So I just wanted to manifest my gift. I wanted it to be the Carl Thomas show. And I didn't even know that. I didn't know that. I just thought God had called me to minister. I'm going to do what I do. And when I saw people not fully coming into God's promises, I said, okay, there's a problem here. And so we started working on, on well, we had already worked on serving. Then we started working on wholeness. And, and we started to fill the gaps. Does it make sense? Yeah. Are you with me? Is anybody getting anything out of this? I just need to know because I'm not hearing anybody say anything. <clears throat> so in your life, you, you, we, we should be manifesting these things. So, uh, you know, as me, as, as a revivalist, you know, if I'm, not, if I'm not having these other parts incorporated into my life, then all of a sudden, you know, revivalists who aren't healed are mean people. Selfish and mean, right? Uh, and so, anyways, I can preach to that because that's, that's where I live. Uh, and, and the last part of the wall here uh, we call assimilation. Assimilation. And this is the us. This is the us. And, and what that means is, let, let's look at the scriptures here. Actually, uh, let me give you a scripture for the revivalists here. I didn't, I didn't, I'm going to go back to the revivalists. I'm sorry. Matthew chapter 10 in verse 7. This, this is it right here. He said, as you go preach, more than happy to preach. Any other, other, other preachers in here? Just more than happy to preach. Nothing a sermon won't fix. Let me preach to you and call down fire. That ought to fix it. As you go preach saying, see it's in the Bible, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out de demons. Freely you've received, freely give. It's all pretty clear to me right there. That could be the whole Bible as far as my gift is concerned. Yep. Right? We found there's more Bible, and uh, I'll have to put my own out. So the next one, I'm sorry, we're going to go to assimilation. And assimilation is the us, right? Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said, Therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you even to the end of the age. I think it's interesting that he told them he's with them to the end of the age as they're going and giving away what God has given them. Like, oh, Jesus near me. It needs to be more about me. No, actually, probably the go will attract God to you. You start sharing with someone what he's given you, then all of a sudden God shows up. Amen? So... <clears throat> So this, there's two parts to this, us. Um, we have to get new believers and teach them about this kingdom culture. What does it mean to be a Christian? Because in this world, most parents aren't raising their kids. They're not giving them value. They're just keeping them from being bad. Very few parents sit down and say, this is who we are. This is where we come from. This is how I came to Christ. This is who you are. This is what you're going to be. This is what we value. We don't behave that way because you are so much more than that. This is, not, this is what Jesus Christ has done for you. These are the things we're supposed to be teaching our kids, right? And, and we know in the scriptures, um, time and again, in the scriptures, God had told the Jews, like, you have to tell your people. You're going to have a festival, and you're going to talk about when I, brought, when I did this. You're going to have a feast, and you're going to talk about when I did this. You're going to teach your kids these things that I've done. There's this 
teaching of where we've come from, and you have to incorporate that into your family. This is how your family got here. My son and I had an amazing uh, conversation this week about my conversion and how I got on fire for God and what happened. And, and, uh, and I told him, you know, hey, you know, I wasn't living for God, and I was demonized, and I got, I got delivered when I got saved. And he's like, you mean figuratively? I'm like, no. I mean, literally, I got delivered to demons when I got saved. Anybody say amen? Who does not want a demonized pastor? Hallelujah, yes. So um, if you've not been delivered after getting saved, I, I recommend it highly. Um, so we have to disciple new people on what it means to be a Christian. We have to disciple on what it means to be a Christian. Likewise, when new people are added to our body, the Revival Life Church, we have to embrace this culture and we have to teach people what does it mean to be part of this house? So when someone, you know, they go to certain churches and they start chewing up the pastor and gossip, you're like, oh, we don't really do that here. We actually honor our leaders and we honor the people who aren't leaders and we just honor people here. We don't do that. We love you, but we don't don't do that, right? Oh, we should be doing that. No, 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 actually, the the community is, is, this is what we are doing as a house. This is what we're doing as a people. No, we don't jockey for position. No, we don't try to, we don't try to get close to the pastor so we can be somebody in the church. We don't do that here. That's not how it works. It's not how it works. It's how it works at many churches. If you're from another church, you probably have seen that before. People try to get close to the pastor so they can be somebody in the church. We, just don't, we don't play that game here. We don't play it. We just, it's not our culture. And so when I see people doing that, I feel bad because they want to be great. And God wants them to be great. But that's not going to work. It actually starts in the inner work with Jesus Christ. And so when we each do our part, in the wall, we each build the wall that's in front of us. We protect the glory of God that is in this house. We each have to do our part, though. Each one in our family. I, I, I used to talk a lot about Team Thomas, what we would call Team Thomas. We would teach our kids, no, no, we're Team Thomas. We don't turn on anybody else in Team Thomas with anybody else. We don't join anybody else in talking bad about somebody in our family. Amen. Ever. We're not at school and we talk bad. We pick on our sister. We don't at school and we pick on our brother and we gossip about our parents. We never turn on Team Thomas. Never happens. It's not what we do. Now, within Team Thomas, we may come together and say, hey, there's a problem here that we need to deal with. That's not turning. That's, that's part of this healthy culture of pointing out blind spots. Are, are you with me? Yeah. And so in, in, in our culture, we want to protect the glory that's in this house. And this is how we plan to do it, by embracing the culture God has given us. Amen? Amen. So I want, to, I want to pray for you now, if you would. If you turn on the lights, just everybody just stay where you're at. I just want to pray real quick. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. I thank you primarily that you're with us. I thank you that through you, nothing is impossible. I thank you that each person in this house, you have called them to something great. You've called them to something great. And Lord, it's our heart that each person who found themselves in one of the pieces of this wall They see themselves, no, no, oh, that's why I feel that way. Oh, that's why that's important to me, because that's what you are called to do. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would create a a culture that we embrace all five parts of that wall, Lord, that we embrace one another's gifts as you've presented it to this house. We thank you, Jesus, that we're important. Each one of us is important. Father, just like I tell both my kids, you're my favorite. Lord, I thank you that we're your favorite. Because equally, we are your favorite. And so, Father, I thank you that each of our gifts are your favorite. We're each your favorite. 
And Lord, I pray for the people under the sound of my voice right now. I pray that you would be with them. I pray that you would be with them. That your love would invade their life. That they can be brave. They don't have to protect themselves anymore. They don't have to be isolated anymore. That not only can they be connected, but we need them to be connected. We need what's on their life in this house. We need what they bring to the table. So, Father, today in the name of Jesus, I pray that people would take a bold step of connection. Now, I got to just continue to pray. I got an amazing word of wisdom in the first service that I'd like to share with you now. And uh, there's so many people in our culture today who are lonely and who feel alone. And the Lord gave me a word of wisdom on how to deal with that. And, and here's what you do. You go up to somebody and say, hey, would you like to have lunch together? And you say, wow, I, I can't really afford to go out to lunch. Okay. And you say, hey, next Sunday, how about you brown bag your lunch? We'll put it in the fridge and we'll go eat somewhere together. Mind-blowing revelation here, right? You're going to actually have to get out of your comfort zone and make connections with people. If you're lonely, the answer to loneliness is go make a friend. I've heard it said, you know, the great miracle in Jesus' life is that he had disciples in their 30s who had 12 friends. There's so many people in their 30s, if you have one, you're pretty happy. But the Lord has called you to have a community of friends. And that means you're going to have to purposefully be in community. That means put up with people who aren't exactly like you. That's how you get to fill in the walls. You value other people's gifts. And so maybe if you're brave enough to say to somebody, hey, you want to have lunch with my wife and I or my husband and I or my friends and I? You want to, maybe somebody is ahead of you in this walk and you go to them or maybe somebody's not where you're at in this walk and you draw them in and, and maybe you, you know, after you find somebody, maybe you ask a third person next time. Maybe this, we're going to get radical right now. Maybe you say, hey, watch this. Watch this. This, 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 this. this is a crazy one right here. Do you want to come over for dinner? Radical, right? That's just radical. Hey, would you like to come over for dinner? And you know what they might say? No. And then you know what you say? Okay. And you don't die and you don't melt and you don't fall apart. And you're not crushed. Then you go to somebody else and say, would you like to come over for dinner? Radical, right? Is that radical or what? That's just so countercultural, isn't it? It's countercultural. Countercultural. I'm like, well, I do that in life group. All right, well, how about you do that in life? Eat meals with other people. Hey, would you like to come over for dinner? I can't really afford to whatever. All right. Would you like to, uh, you know, brown bag for next Sunday? How about we meet at the beach and eat dinner together? How about we meet at the mall? Where do, where do you want to go to? Where do, where do you want to eat dinner? How about the mall? Now, nobody's worried about anybody paying, right? I'll meet you at the center table. Bring whatever you want. Good word, Pastor. Man, thank you for that wisdom and strategy. I really appreciate that. I'm ready to have friends already. You can invite everybody to the mall. 20 of us are going to lunch. Let's go to lunch at the mall. All 20 of us. I don't know if it's going to... You go to a restaurant with 20 people, you're there three hours waiting, right? Go to the mall. Everybody can get whatever they want. You sit down and have a conversation. You can even scream. Like even Travis can go because it's so loud there, right? <laughs> That's Travis's place. You put Brandon and Travis and... 
Duke and maybe Sam. Man, you scream fest. Nobody cares, right? Listen, you, I, like, I'm not just telling jokes here. Like, there has to be a practical manifestation of, the, of our culture. We're not going to reach the world if we won't have lunch with somebody we go to church with. I want revival in South Florida. Do you have four friends? If we're not able to connect with people, then we're probably not going to reach all of South Florida, right? We have to be able to connect with people. Amen? Amen? I'm, 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 I'm the kind of guy who likes to be alone a lot, right? So I'm preaching what, what I preach to myself. Got to be connected to people. I like going to breakfast. I like going to morning prayer on Tuesdays at 6.30 right here, and then we go to breakfast at uh, Panera. And we actually have conversations about stuff that you may not normally have conversations about. All right, I'm going to end with that. Father, I just love you. I pray that people will be brave. Stand with me if you would. I, I, I pray that people would be brave. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward now. <clears throat> and that people would uh, open up themselves to their blind spots. And they would make relationships with people who would um, look at their blind spots. And also, before you go anywhere, we had a prayer this morning. We did a <clears throat> during worship, we had a prayer about asking Jesus to forgive us of our sins, walking forward in the wholeness and healing and freedom. If you prayed that for the very first time today, or maybe you've been away from God and you prayed that prayer, I want to invite you, not at this moment, but at the end of service, come on up to one of these people and just tell them. Uh, they'll have you fill out a little thing so we can send you a letter. We're not going to do anything crazy, but they'll, and they'll pray for you, right? And uh, we just want to pray with you. And maybe you're, you're stuck in a cycle of sin and maybe you just need to have that thing cast out of your life. And they'll pray for you. We have a ministry team right up here. And if you need healing in your body or prayer for anything, I invite you to come on up. And uh, Father, put your hand on somebody's shoulder if you would. Wow, actually grab somebody's hand. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus. We really need each other and we thank you for putting us in community. We pray that your grace will continue to flow in our lives. That we can live lives that honor the name Jesus. That brings honor and glory to the name of Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, God. We love you. We pray that you'll be with us until we meet again. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. We give a clap off from the Lord. Amen, amen, amen.